Well, there's a, um, a common question that is sometimes rather difficult to answer. Many of you are asked this question on a very regular basis, and even today I was asked this question a couple times. And that question is, how was your week? Or how was your day? These questions have the potential to go in many different directions. So pull up a seat, right? Depending upon who you're talking to. Some give that courtesy, yes, we are all good. Others, they might share a short novel leading up to answering your question. And then, of course, you have your spiritual encouragers. And what are they going to say? God is good. And for sure, he is. But do any of you have that short panic moment Wondering how to define your past week or day? What should I share? What should I not share? How much time do I actually have to answer this question? So sometimes it's just easier to say, good, doing great. Honestly, though, once we dig in and review a week or a day, most of what happens can be declared good or positive. For a number of years, I was a school administrator. And when I first started that role, when I was in transition, the previous administrator was talking about that very question, except tied to a school. How was, uh, and and so it would come up, he, he was sharing how he would answer that question, in spite of the fact that the average day might include having a little child brought to the office for the third time, for doing something that was wrong. And then going from that to having a very difficult conversation. And depending upon who it was, maybe earplugs could have been helpful in that conversation because the person on the other side of the line was rather loud. Or maybe the copy machine. Oh, copy machines. Getting jammed up just before it was your turn. And now your day, ripple effect, you're going to be running late. And then being a school administrator, payroll is always a concern. And and, you know, so that might also be things that you're trying to weigh out. But do these issues define your day? What about the fact that most of the students showed up, they followed instructions, they were respectful in the hallway, and they acted in a, you know, they were, they were good overall. The teachers cared well for the, the students, the money did come in for payroll, and this big yellow school bus arrived at 3.05 sharp and took the kids home. When asked the question, how did the day go? Well, was it a good day or was it a bad day? No, it was a good day. Three to five percent of the day may maybe been a little bit rocky and challenging, but that does not define it as a bad day. So this caring, seasoned administrator just wanted to advise me on that very question. Focus on the good in a day rather than on the bad. Well, we're going through this series called Church. Why bother? Well, you know, we might hear a couple ugly stories about church. So why bother? It's all bad. Is it? No. Church is good. And there are many, many examples of life change, restoration, 
worship, teachings, outreach. And we need to live off the goodness of God and be encouraged by the positive movement of his church. So today's message in this series is titled, How to Keep the Faith. The passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at is 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 16. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to that passage because we're going to take time to read it. A little background to this passage. We've been working through the book of, of Timothy, and the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to one of his disciples, a young uh, disciple named Timothy. And Timothy is shepherding this church in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus is the third largest city in the Roman Empire. And Paul is sharing advice for Timothy in this letter. And we are going to take time to read this advice right now. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 16. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require absence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving, by those who believe and know the truth, for everything God Everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, but rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds the promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. God's word. Let's just take a moment to uh, go before the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that, that you are good that you are faithful, and we thank you for your word. As we dive into it this morning, we welcome your Holy Spirit to roam in our hearts and our lives and in this space. And Lord, we know that your word does not come back void. 
So I pray that you'd be with each one of us, Lord. I pray that you'd slow down the thoughts in our head about the other things in life going on, the other distractions. I pray that you'd still our spirit so that we can receive what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the big idea today is this. To keep the faith, watch our life and doctrine closely. And the key question for the day is, how do we watch our life and doctrine? And this is what Paul has been encouraging Timothy to do throughout this passage. We can see three ways to watch our life and doctrine. And the first is to affirm what is good. Again, affirm what is good. Let's go back to verse number one, just so that it's fresh in our minds. Let's read those, those couple verses attached to this point. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So in these verses, Paul reviews areas for Timothy that he is either facing or is going to face. In verse 1, it says, latter times, or in time to come, there will be other faith teachings that are going to start popping up, other religions that are going to start popping up. These teachings will be deceitful and filled with lies. But then verse 3, he goes on, it says, some of these teachings uh, Timothy will face will have to do with forbidding of marriage or the absence from food. And then in verse 4 and 5, Paul reminds Timothy, hey, marriage is good, and food that God intended for you to eat is good. You can be thankful and accept both. So, does this letter from Paul to Timothy, how, where are we in this? Does this apply to us? Well, yes. There were wrong teachings leading some from the faith back then, and there will certainly be teachings today that are going to be off. Some teachings will be noticeably off, and then some are going to be kind of subtle. You won't quite see it. Believe it or not, back in my college years and even after college, I was in a church choir. Can you just imagine that? Any of you ever in a church choir before? Yeah, can any raise your hands? Um, wonderful, wonderful time. Now, I remember the choir director waving his or her hands in front of us and directing the tenor section and the bass and the sopranos and the altos and whatever other parts there were out there in the church choir. And they would give you this, this nice black folder with the music in it, and you'd stand there like so and smile big. And, and, then, and then it didn't have just words on the music. It also had these little symbols they called notes. And all those notes meant something. And sometimes I kind of had a difficult time understanding how 
to, to uh, read those notes. It wasn't easy. Uh, but the choir would, ex- would have about 20 to 30 people in it. And you could always count on there being one or two people that were slightly off. Just, just slightly off. But then there'd be one that would be dramatically off. They, uh, and and th- it was very, very noticeable. Why were they off? I, I don't know. Either they couldn't read music, um, or it was maybe just their voice. And um, maybe they had a hearing problem, so they just were off in that way. I, I'm not sure, but it was noticeable and it was terrible. But they'd always have joy, okay? So that tr- that, like, that's... That trumps everything there, okay? So as long as they're happy and singing, that's what really matters, right? But it was, but it was a, um, an interesting experience to be a part of. Well, Bible teachings um, that, that are off, some are going to be unintentional. But some teachings will be intentionally off. These teachers will have a seared conscience. It'll be tied to demonic influence. And this, this has happened and will continue to happen. However, thankfully, at the same time as these wrong teachings, there were some very good teachings. The truth of God still managed to move forward in the midst of teaching that was off. And we benefit from that today. So as, as the first point states, we need to affirm what is good. Many of us read books having to do with our Christian faith. And every year, my own library gets a little bigger. In these books, um, I've been encouraged. I've been challenged. I've been reminded, inspired. At times, though, some there might be something that's a little off. It's my responsibility to match the thoughts up with Scripture. If we find ourselves watching messages, reading books, listening to podcasts, there are many helpful resources that will help us on this side of eternity. But at the same time, we do need to be mindful of some teachings that even tracing back to the time of Paul led some away from God. For us today, though, we need to affirm what is good, and the good will always be in harmony with God's word. Then, verse 5 shares two necessary ingredients for deciphering what is good. We already said the word of God. Prayer is also mentioned. Prayer for wisdom as you read God's word, that you understand it, that you can apply it. So we move on to point two. We train ourselves in godliness. Let's go back to God's word and read verses six through ten. If you put these things before brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. 
For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So Paul goes on to encourage Timothy to put these things before your congregation, words of faith and good doctrine that can be practiced. Avoid getting sucked into non-essential topics or myths. And believe me, those topics, they, they can suck you in. And, um, but we need to be mindful of that. Be careful. Avoid it if you can. Rather, continue training toward the goal of godliness. In verse 8, Paul brings up physical body training. This happens to be a discussion topic at that time because the, the, Roman, uh, the Greco-Roman culture had a lot of those that had that mindset of, of being involved in physical body training. So physical body training does have value, but training in godliness has value in every way. Why? Because it's not just for this lifetime. It is for the life to come. The work we put into taking care of our physical bodies needs to also be applied to pursuit of godliness, of spiritual growth, of kingdom work. And why do we do this? Well, we go to verse 10 for that. The reason we toil and strive is because we have our hope, our hope, our hope set on a living God, a Savior to all people. As some of you know, there's a kind of a big game tonight. I don't remember what it's called. I think it's called the Super Bowl or something like that. And there's these two NFL teams that are going to be playing, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. A quick Google search tells me that there's going to be like 99 million people watching this game, maybe including some of you. I do plan to uh, check in on the game as well. But each of these players has dreamed of being in this special game. Each team has 53 players, and each of those players has dreamed of being in this special game. They have trained the majority of their life for tonight's game. So it's kind of a big deal for them. I'm pretty certain that the 106 players suiting up tonight, though, didn't get to this point by doing nothing. Rather, they studied the game, they practiced the game, they weightlifted, they did extensive cardiovascular training for years of their life for the hope that one day they would make it to this game called the Super Bowl. Tonight for these players and these, these coaches, it's a culmination of years of investment. And at the end, as the final seconds tick off the game clock, it'll be over. And then what? Well, for one team, they get to celebrate. But then what? Maybe they'll try it all over again to see if they can do it again. But then what? You know, as a church family, again, we're going through this sermon series called Why Bother? And the answer is verse 10. The reason we toil 
and we strive. The reason we go through all this, this, this training is because we have a hope. And this hope is a big deal. It is set on the living God. It's not a dead God. It is a living, powerful God. And not only that, he is a savior, not just for one person, two people. He is a savior to all people. That is amazing and that is powerful. So this helps not only for our current lifetime, but also continues into eternity. It does not end with a whistle, but it does start with a trumpet, if, I, if you know what I mean. When we train ourselves in godliness by meditating on Scripture, applying God's Word to our lives, praying, and by using our gifting for His namesake, that is, that's, that's some amazing stuff right there. So we affirm what is good, we train ourselves in godliness, and then we come to point three. We are consistent in our devotion to the Scripture. Let's go back to God's Word one more time here. Verse 11. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders lay their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and the hearers. So in the remaining six verses, Paul encourages Timothy to teach your family these things. They might question your youth. They might hold it against you. But live out your faith. Live it out in your speech. Live it out in your conduct. Live it out in your love. Live it out in your faith. Live it out in purity. And then Paul tells Timothy, until I come back, his intention was to come back, continue to publicly read the Scripture, exhort and teach the Scripture, use your gifting. Remember that there was some that laid hands on you confirming this for you. Keep a close watch, close watch on yourself and on the teaching. And these steps will help save not only yourself, but others. So Paul closes out this portion of the letter by emphasizing the importance of God's word in connecting with Timothy's ministry and church. So here we are today, okay? Years removed. Here we are today, Woodside Bible Church. Bible is our middle name. Some people give significant attention to naming their children, and some you wish they did because got some creativity out there. Man, they're all good, all good. But I'm thankful that for our church, Bible is our middle name. It's our desire to, to prioritize God's Word. And if Paul could write us a letter, he'd probably say some of the same things. 
Hey, Woodside Bible. Woodside Bible. Read the Bible. Hey, Woodside Bible. Teach it. Hey, Woodside Bible. Explore the gifting that might be for you and, and, and not only explore, but, but use it. Be mindful that there are some false teachers. Match what they say with Scripture. But be persistent and don't give up on church. Don't do it. Don't give up, Timothy. Don't give up Woodside Bible Church. Don't give up on it. To keep the faith as a church and individuals in the church, we affirm what is good. We train ourselves in godliness. We are consistent in our devotion to the Scripture. These are the reasons why we bother with church. You know, for the past week, I've been praying about today. Reflecting on the passage and wondering how to close out this time. Because we have the main push of the day. The main push being affirm what is good. Train yourself in godliness. Be consistent in your devotion. But I'd like to continue that thought with action. You know, back in my younger years, it seemed like bodybuilders were kind of popular. Maybe they still are. I have no idea. I just know when I was younger, it was a very popular thing. And these, do we have any bodybuilders in here? But don't, never mind. These guys, I think you know what I'm talking about. They had massive arms. I mean, they were big. They had massive legs. They were completely ripped in every way. Some of them back in that day used these steroids to get to that point. Others would use muscle-enhancing drugs, but they were impressive. But why did they do that? Why did they do that? To see how strong they could be? To show off how strong they could be? So they could maybe protect themselves with that strength? Certainly their strength had to be useful for something. Maybe lifting a car off of a person. And believe it or not, I watched a friend that was pretty strong actually do that. Many athletes condition for a reason and a purpose, such as a Super Bowl going on tonight or maybe some type of an Olympic event. But most have a purpose. You know, as we condition ourselves for godliness, what might be our purpose in doing that? In those three points, why would we do that? Do we study God's word just to know it? Just to study it? Just to appreciate it? You know, strangely, scribes and Pharisees also did that. And even stranger than that, demons know the scripture probably better than most Christians. Ever think about that? Get this. The head knowledge, the head knowledge, the head knowledge of God's word has to travel 16 inches down to our heart. 
when that happens, not only will you benefit, and you will benefit, but so will the church, and so will the community. As you become stronger, and I pray that as a church family, we are getting stronger. We're conditioning ourselves. But as we become stronger in what you believe, use that knowledge and flex your gifting. Flex your gifting. You will no longer have to ask your question, church, why bother? Because you're going to start to experience it and see it firsthand. And it's so good. It's so powerful. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we can share together to reflect on your word. I thank you, though, for every individual that is here today. They conditioned themselves. They got themselves ready to be here today. There might be some that are searching. They're searching for truth. Lord, may they find it today. May they find you so that they have reason for this lifetime and for the lifetime to come. And Lord, I pray that you be with the rest of us. Lord, as we condition ourselves, as we soak in your word, your truth, Lord, I pray that you would inflame a new passion for you. Lord, not that we just become stronger, but that we can make an impact for your kingdom. It's all about you. It's all about you. We would not be in this place today if it was not for Jesus Christ. That, that there was so much love for mankind that he came down to earth to die on the cross for our sins. But you didn't stay dead in your sins. You rose again, and we thank you for that. Lord, I don't know how this message is helpful for anybody, but Lord, you do. And I pray that you would strengthen this church family so that we can be the hands and feet for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name, amen.